Chapter 15 of the Red Cross Girls with the Russian Army. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Winter Palace. The next day, Nona found opportunity for confiding to Mildred the fate of Sonya Valesky. She found Mildred more deeply concerned than Barbara had been. This was true because Mildred had a different nature. It was easier for her to understand a temperament that would sacrifice everything to its dream than for the more practical and sensible Barbara. Moreover, Barbara was so much in love these days that she found it difficult to give a great deal of thought to other people. She struggled against the tendency, but it is ever the vice of lovers. Finally, on Thursday, Mildred Thornton received a note from General Alexis inviting her and her two friends to come that afternoon at four o'clock to the Winter Palace. And although the three girls were Americans, they understood that such an invitation was not in reality an invitation, but a command. For the Tsar and Tsarina had announced that they would be pleased to meet the three American Red Cross nurses. The meeting was to be informal, as these were war times and there were no court levies. Indeed, the Tsar was only staying for a brief time at his palace before going to take command of his own troops. Owing to the frequent Russian defeats in the past few months, the Tsar had concluded that he must command his men in person in order to give them greater courage and steadfastness. The munitions of war, of which they had been sadly in need for several months, were now pouring in from Japan and the United States. Of course, in the excitement and nervousness due to such an important and unexpected occasion, the three Red Cross girls had the same problem to settle that attacks all women at critical moments. What on earth should they wear to the presentation? Fortunately, under the circumstances, there was but one answer to this question. They were invited to the palace as Red Cross nurses. They must therefore wear their Red Cross uniforms. Since the three girls had almost nothing else left in their wardrobes, this was just as well. Constant moving from place to place with little opportunity for transportation had reduced their luggage to the most limited amounts. Yet assuredly they were as handsome and far more dignified on the afternoon of their appearance at the Winter Palace in the costumes of American Red Cross nurses than if they had been apparelled in the court trains and feathers of more gala occasions. Mildred always looked especially well in her uniform, she was less pretty than the other two girls, but for this very reason her dignity and the sense of serenity that her personality suggested showed to best advantage in the simple toilette of white with the Red Cross insignia on the arm. However, over her uniform Mildred wore the magnificent sable coat in which she had appeared at her friend's lodgings in Petrograd. This afternoon, in spite of her excitement over what lay ahead of them, Barbara did not allow the coat to pass unnoticed a second time. For goodness sakes, Mildred, where did you get that magnificent garment? She demanded, just as they were about to go downstairs to get into their sleigh. You owned a very nice coat when we left you behind in Grovno, but some fairy wand must have changed it. This is the most wonderful sable I ever saw. Mildred flushed and then laid her cheek against the beautiful, soft brown warmth of her furs. It is time you and Nona were speaking of my grandeur, she declared. You see, in getting away from the fort at the last, I stupidly left my own furs behind. Indeed, I don't know what became of them. General Alexis noticed that I was cold almost immediately. Somehow, after he began to get stronger, he managed to have this coat brought to the country house where we were staying. Then just before we started to Petrograd, he presented it to me. 
Of course, I did not feel that I ought to accept it and insisted I could not. But General Alexis said that he had received so much kindness from me, he thought it very ungenerous of me to make him altogether my debtor. I didn't know what to do. Do you think it wrong to accept it, Bab? Somehow, I did not know how to continue to refuse. As Barbara was just going into her bedroom at this moment, she made no reply. Nona was more reassuring. Of course it was all right, Mildred. Or at least I suppose it was if General Alexis insisted, and you had done a great deal for him. Then Nona followed Barbara. Barbara was standing perfectly still in the center of the room and apparently thinking with all the concentration possible. I wonder if this General Alexis is more fond of Mildred than he would be of any nurse who might have cared for him, Barbara murmured. Then she shook her head. That was an absurd suggestion on my part, and Mildred would not like it. I am sorry, she said. At the door of the Winter Palace, after the girls had passed beyond the servants and the detectives who watched every human being permitted to approach their imperial majesties, the three American girls were ushered into a reception room. Except for the fact that there were more paintings on the walls, the room resembled other similar chambers now left on exhibition at Versailles or the Louvre in Paris. However, the girls had little time for investigation, for almost at once General Alexis entered the room to greet them. He was accompanied by a lieutenant who was his aide. To Nona Davis's surprise, the young man proved to be Lieutenant Michael Orloff, whom she had not seen since the afternoon when she had walked to the fortress with him and confided the news of Sonia Valesky's arrest. After a few moments of general conversation, a manservant, wearing an elaborate uniform, announced that General Alexis and his guests might walk into the Tsar's private sitting-room. Naturally, this was a very unusual proceeding, but war times had changed the manners of courts as well as other places. Moreover, General Alexis was a personal friend of the Tsar's, so far as a Tsar may ever have a friend. In any case, he was one of his most trusted generals. This reception to the American Red Cross girls was entirely due to the fact that General Alexis had declared Mildred Thornton's courage and devotion had saved his life. But of this she was not yet aware. The Tsar and Tsarina were not decorating gilded thrones as one sees them in portraits or paints them in one's own imagination. Indeed, they were seated in chairs, but rose as any other host and hostess might when their guests came into the room. They were not alone, however, for beside the guards stationed outside their door, two of them kept always within a short distance of the Tsar himself. The Tsarina was a beautiful woman, tall and dark, but looking indefinitely sad. The girls could not but remember having heard how frequently she suffered from a melancholia so severe that it was almost akin to an unbalanced mind. She now murmured a few words to the three girls and then reseated herself. Barbara hoped profoundly that the distinguished audience would soon be over. Of course, this meeting of the Tsar and Tsarina was perhaps the most extraordinary honor that had yet been paid to any American Red Cross nurses in Europe. But like other honors, it carried its discomfort. For Barbara had not the faintest idea what she should do or say, when she should stand up and when sit down. She had never imagined herself a large person before, but now she felt so awkward that she might have been a giant. Yet really, there was but one thing for her to do. She must merely keep still and watch what was taking place. Actually, the Tsar, Nicholas II, was talking pleasantly with Mildred Thornton, and Mildred was answering with her usual quiet dignity. 
the czar looked older than barbara would have supposed from his pictures but then the war may have aged him his close-cropped brown beard with the tiny point was turning gray and he had large full and barbara thought not particularly intelligent eyes at this moment he moved toward a small table and picked up what appeared like a medal barbara eyed it curiously she could not hear what the czar was saying but she saw mildred turn suddenly white and appear to protest then the two men general alexis and the czar actually smiled at her the next moment the czar pinned a cross on mildred's white dress without realizing what she was doing barbara pressed closer until she stood in front of nona and lieutenant orloff this time she distinctly heard the czar say i take pleasure in presenting you miss thornton with the cross of st george which is only awarded for special bravery only one other woman has been presented with the cross of st george since the outbreak of this war she is madame kokovtseva a colonel of the sixth ural cossack regiment who has twice been wounded while leading her men she is called our russian joan of arc but there is a courage as great as leading troops to battle this valor it seems to me you showed in remaining to the last at the ancient fortress of grovno to care for a great soldier who was not even your countryman in my own name and in the name of my country i wish to thank you for your service to general alexis then barbara observed mildred flush a beautiful warm crimson and stammer something in response almost immediately after they were again standing outside in the big antechamber afterwards general alexis and lieutenant orloff and several of the palace servants showed the three girls over certain portions of the palace that could be exhibited to visitors on the desk in the hall was an icon carefully preserved under glass which was said to have been painted by st luke however in spite of their honors as soon as possible the three girls were glad to return to their lodgings yet mildred promised that they would allow general alexis to send his sleigh to them the following day the great general looked haggard and worn but appeared to be quickly recovering his strength indeed barbara afterwards assured mildred that she considered him extremely good-looking and not half so old as she had supposed end of chapter fifteen